If you don't have a Bible, Mr. Corey's got a stack of them right back there. Go grab one real quick. We're going to use that tonight. Hey, um, let me ask you guys a question. When I say this phrase, tell me what comes to mind. Be on guard. Fight. Who said fight? Okay, so a fight comes to mind, Mr. Peoples? Knights. Okay, Eli? Okay, on guard from evil, Aiden? The three musketeers on guard. Okay, there you go. Clayton? England? You, you got to explain that one. Okay, okay, gotcha. All right. Corbin? Dog? Okay, <laughs> you scared of your dog? Chase? Fencing? Fencing? Armor of God? Okay, all right. These, these are all good answers. Eli? <laughs> well, it all depends on how you say it. You're absolutely right. If you talk about the fencing, on guard, right? But hey, that, I just asked what, it, what came to mind. I didn't, I didn't make specifications there. The reason I ask you that question is because a lot of times I know when I hear that phrase, just be on guard, um, some of you guys kind of touched on it a little bit. But when I think about that, I automatically think, what, who was it said over here? Fight. Who said Fight. Yeah, that's, that's what came to my mind when I thought of that phrase. When somebody tells you to be on guard, all of a sudden, kind of your, your, your countenance changes, the way you think, the way you act, the, you're, you're kind of looking around, maybe your heart starts beating a little bit faster, maybe if somebody says be on guard and there's a dog around, you start looking around to see where that dog is, and you start getting ready for that whole fight or flight mode. Have y'all heard of that before? Where your, your response to something when you're threatened is you're either going to get ready to fight or you're going to get ready to run away. Um, I knew a guy who uh, used to work with, and this guy, he, he said that he lived in the yellow zone. Have y'all ever heard that before? No, Mr. Corey's shaking his head. Mr. Corey, tell me what that means. It means he's always ready. Okay. He always lives in caution. He's always prepared for any. That's it right there. He, he, and that was his explanation. It means most of us, he would say, he used to say, we live in the green zone, which means we walk around, we live our daily lives. We're not in any way thinking about threats or being on guard or being ready for anything bad to happen. But he would say he lived in the yellow zone, which means he was always ready. He was always ready in case somebody was going to hurt him or hurt the people around him. He was always on guard for what could go wrong. And the reason I'm talking about that tonight is that there are people who will live on guard when it comes to their daily life. And yet there are other people, and, and I want to tell you this right now because this is probably a lot of us in this room. When it comes to our spiritual life, we live in the green zone. We don't worry about things when it comes to God. We don't worry that people are going to tell us something that's not true about God. We don't worry that somebody is trying to deceive us, that somebody is trying to, to lead us in the wrong direction when it comes to our relationship with God. But what I want to tell you tonight is that when it comes to your walk with God, you have to be on guard. You have to take that mindset of, of living in the yellow zone, of knowing that somebody is going to try to mislead you at all times because there are people who are intentional about communicating things that are not true about this book and about who God is. There's people that will tell you straight up lies and tell you that the Bible says things it doesn't say. There's other people that will tell you that what the Bible says is not really in there. 
And they'll take and they'll twist Scripture. And unfortunately, what we have the, the task of doing is we've got to make sure that we stay on guard so that we don't get fooled when it comes to the Word of God. So that people don't trick us, so that people don't deceive us about what is in this book. And as we've been walking through this book, 1 John, what we're doing tonight is we're getting to a part where John is actually talking to the people about how they can be on guard. He's telling them how they can be careful about those who are setting out to deceive them. So I've already given you one of these answers. Let's walk through the questions. Who do we believe wrote this book? John. John. What are the other books we think he wrote? John and Revelation. There we go. All right. Are you get? Did you just say Mark? Wrong. Good try though. All right. So, when do we believe this book was written? Somebody's saying it. You're close. Ninety to ninety-five. Were you saying that, Leland? Was that you? Okay. Sorry. You're staring at me. Okay. So yeah, ninety. It was Finn back there. Ninety to ninety-five A.D. Who was it written to? The church. Yeah, it's written to Christians. And, and what's the main idea in this book? Always Jesus. Yes. Get more specific. Not be on guard. Wait. Truth, obedience, and love. Those are the three things that keep popping up through all of this book as we walk through it. Now, why was it written? To encourage and to warn. Cassidy's got them all written down over here. It was written to encourage this church, and it was written to warn this church. And tonight, the passage we're getting into, what we see is the warning. So I'm going to ask you guys to do what we always do. I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of the reading of God's Word, and Mr. Eli Kessler is going to come up and read for us tonight. Come on up here, Eli. Let's go, Eli. Can we turn this microphone on for Eli, please? Oh, oh, that's that one. Sorry. All right. All right, Eli, go ahead and read it for us. My dear friends, do not believe all who claim to have the Spirit, but test them to find out if the Spirit they have comes from God. For many false prophets have gone out everywhere. This is how you will be able to know whether it is God's Spirit. Anyone who acknowledges that Jesus Christ came as a human being has the Spirit who comes from God. But anyone who denies this about Jesus does not have spirit, the Spirit from God. The Spirit he has is from the enemy of Christ. You heard that it would come, and now it is here in the world already. But you belong to God, my children, and I have defeated the false prophets. Not I have, but I got that wrong. And have defeated the false prophets. But be- You're good. Because the Spirit who is in you is more powerful than the Spirit in those who belong to, belong to the world, those false prophets speak about matters of the world, and the world listens to them because they belong to the world. But we belong to God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever does not belong to God does not listen to us. This, then, is how we can tell the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for the opportunity you give us to be here tonight. And Lord, again, thank you uh, that we can just worship together. I pray right now that as we spend time in your word, in this chapter, in these six verses, God, show us what we're supposed to learn tonight and help us to carry that out of here tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, Mr. Eli. I put him on the spot with that prayer, so don't worry about that. All right. So... As we walk through this and we talk about this idea of being on God, the first thing we see here in verse 1 
is that when it comes to your walk with God, you need to test everything. Test everything. Look at what it says in verse 1. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. He says right there, don't believe everything. Don't believe everything you hear about God. Don't believe everything you read about God and about the Bible. It's not all true just because somebody says it from a platform or posts it on social media. Just because it looks like it's something that the Bible might say or it sounds like good advice that the Bible might give, that doesn't make it true because believe it or not, there are people who are intentionally trying to deceive you about what the Word of God says. They're intentionally trying to mislead you. And if you say you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then what should be guiding your life as you try to get into this book and understand this book is the Holy Spirit. That's why he's talking about right there. He says, don't believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether or not they are from God. What he's talking about there is that the Bible tells us that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you understand that he died on the cross for your sins and you ask him to forgive you, and you commit your life to following him, Scripture tells us in that moment that God forgives you of your sin, the Holy Spirit indwells you. It's, you're not like possessed. It's, it's not taking you over and controlling you, but it becomes a part of who you are. So as you read God's word, as you hear God's word, it's the Holy Spirit that allows you to be able to start understanding that. And start understanding how you can live a life that honors God according to what his word says. But there's other people out there who are going to tell you they're speaking for God, and yet they've never actually put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They're not being led by the Holy Spirit. He goes on in that passage, he says they're actually being led by the Antichrist. They're being led by Satan. They're being led by something other than God. And that's why he says you have to test everything that you hear. Because the people who haven't put their faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is not actively working and guiding in their lives. In fact, Paul talks about that in Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Listen to how he describes people who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus. He says, For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction their God is their belly and their glory, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. What he's saying is that their desires are what guides them, their own self importance. It's not the Holy Spirit of God living in them and guiding them as they understand who God is and tell other people how to follow God. It's their own desires, they're looking out for themselves. We've talked about this before in previous books that we've studied in the New Testament, how false teachers, their goal is to benefit themselves, not benefit you. And that's why John is saying here, we've got to be on guard. He's warning these believers. He's saying, um, this can be a little confusing. He talks about testing the spirits. What he's talking about here is he's talking about other teachers who claim to speak by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, you've got to test those. You've got to be careful and not take them at face value because they're going to claim to be speaking by the Holy Spirit of God for God, and yet they have absolutely nothing to do with God. And that's why you've got to be careful. Paul writes about this in a lot of places, but one example, he, he writes in Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Listen to what he says. 
He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine you have been taught. And look at what he says to do. Avoid them. Stay away from them. Don't get involved with them. Verse 18, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. He says, don't have anything to do with them. That's why you need, to, you need to test what you see, test what you hear, test what you read. Now, think about it this way. We test things that we value, right? I mean, okay, how about this? Um, if you've got a piece of gold jewelry, do you want to know if it's really gold? Some of you are like, no, I don't want to know if it's gold or not, because it may not be. But you know what? If you test it, you find out real quick if it's the real thing or if it's a fake thing. And people test that because they want to know, because they know how valuable gold is. Or, or diamonds and jewelry, you can have those tested to see if they're real. And people do that, and people will pay a lot of money to have those things tested because they know how valuable those things are. Or we test drive cars, right? Some of y'all don't have that problem yet, but the day will come when you get the opportunity to drive a vehicle. You're going to want to test drive it. You're going to want to see if it's worth your time, if it's worth your money. We test all kinds of things. Maybe you test somebody's loyalty. Maybe you've got a friend and you want to make sure they're really a friend. There's somebody that really cares about you, somebody that's really going to look out for you. You'll find a way to test to see if they're really a true friend. We test those things because we know the value of those things. And that's what he's talking about here. If we're willing to test those things that we hold valuable, then if we say our relationship with God is valuable to us, if the word of God is valuable to us, anytime we hear or see anything about it, we need to test it. We need to make sure that it's measuring up to the value of what we know this holds. Thank you. We need to make sure that we know exactly the worth of what we have in our hands and we make sure that nothing devalues that. That's why we have to test everything. That is why you guys have heard me say over and over and over again, don't take my word for what you hear in this room. Don't take Pastor Brian's word for what you hear over there. Don't take your life group leaders at face value. Open up your Bible and read it for yourself. In fact, Paul encouraged churches in the New Testament to do just that. There was one in particular. It's uh, the church at Thessalonica. Look at what he wrote here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. He says, do not despise prophecies, but do what? Test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Test everything. Just because you read it in a devotional that somebody gave you. Just because somebody posted it on social media and it's got the word God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or Bible in the post. Just because somebody stands up and teaches you in a classroom or teaches you from a platform about who God is and what Scripture says, don't take it at face value. That's why I tell you guys every single week when we get started, hey, get up. If you don't have a Bible, go get one because I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to see it for yourself because Paul says that is exactly what we are supposed to do. Now, I will say this. Hopefully, hopefully you have trusted sources in your life. 
Hopefully you have pastors in your life. Hopefully you've got your life group leaders. You've got other people that speak, your parents, the the truth of God's word into your life because you need those. But the only way you find those is by testing what they teach you and over time learn that they're a trusted source. That's why some of you guys... Golly, you've been in here. Some of you I've had just all the way since sixth grade. Some of you haven't been in here quite as long. And every single, hey Max, so every single week, read it for yourself, read it for yourself. And I've challenged you guys before. If you find something in there that is contrary to what I've told you from up here, come talk to me about it. Test it. Let's figure it out. Let's make sure we're all on the same page and all understanding what Scripture says. You have to test everything. So the next question comes in then is how do you test it? Maybe, maybe you know that you're supposed to, but how do you actually do it? Well, he talks about us or talks about it here in verse 2, and he gives us something that's called the Christological test. And if you don't know what that means, that's a big fancy word that means. What does it say about Jesus? That's the Christological test. What you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you're reading, what do they say about Jesus? Look at verse 2 of 1 John 4. It says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. This is how you can test everything. What do they teach about Jesus? Does the teacher, does the person, does the person posting, whoever it is, when they are teaching you, when they are sharing things with you, what is being taught about Jesus Christ? Now, he gets very specific here. He talks about um, that, that Christ has come in the flesh from God. He gives a very specific test there. So when you're talking to somebody, you're listening to somebody, what do they say about Jesus? So the example he uses is, what do they say about his incarnation? In other words, when Jesus stepped out of eternity and took on humanity, took on flesh and blood, what do they say about who Jesus is? That's the Christological test. If you remember, John was writing to do what two things in this book? Warn and encourage. Right now he's warning them. He's saying, hey, if you come across teachers who don't teach what we've taught you about Jesus, they're not really following God. And there was a certain belief that he was fighting against. Do you remember what that was called? It's a weird word. Starts with a G, but it doesn't actually sound that way. (laughs) Gnosticism. The G is silent. Gnosticism is what it is. And if you don't remember what that is, the basic belief in Gnosticism is that spiritual things are good, physical things are bad. Here's a result of that teaching, though. If spiritual things are good and physical things are bad, they would take it so far to say... If Jesus is God and Jesus is spiritual, then there's no way he could have had a physical body because physical is bad, right? Now, let's take that to the logical conclusion. If Jesus was only spiritual and he never had a physical body, guess what didn't happen on the cross? He never died. He never laid down his life for our sins. He never sacrificed himself the way Scripture tells us that he sacrificed himself. 
If Jesus couldn't have a physical form, then you take away what he did on the cross and when he walked out of that tomb because it didn't happen according to that belief system. And if that didn't happen, guess what? That's really bad news for us. Because if that didn't happen, then God didn't provide a sacrifice for our sin, which means none of us have a hope of salvation in Jesus. That's why it's important to know what Scripture says, because that's not what Scripture says about Jesus. In multiple places, John 1, 14, and the Word became what? Flesh. And dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. From the Father, full of grace and truth. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, have this, among your, this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. We're not even touching the words that Jesus said, and we're not even touching the miracles that he did before his crucifixion. We are simply looking at the fact that he had a physical body. That is what scripture teaches and this is critical because without that physical incarnation of Jesus, you don't have hope of salvation. And if you can undermine the deity and the incarnation of Jesus, his physical body in humanity, then what you can do is undo everything else about him. That's why Paul, or excuse me, that's why John was writing this. Because he's trying to warn these believers you need to pay attention to what they say about Jesus. You need to pay attention to what they say about his incarnation, his physical body, because if they don't confess that truth from Scripture, they're not from God. And they're trying to mislead you. In fact, Jesus' own words confirm. He says in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the only way that is possible through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the tomb. So that's why we have to test everything. We have to test what we see and what we hear against what God's word actually says because people will try to deceive you. Not only do we have to test everything to be on guard, the next thing we have to do is we have to trust in God. Look at what he says in 1 John 4, 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What he's saying there is you've got to trust God. You've got to trust his power and you've got to trust his authority over false teachers. You've got to trust that even though there are people who are misleading others about God and about scripture and about Jesus, you've got to trust that, that God's okay. God's not threatened by that. That's not going to be a problem for him. You trust in God that he is the one that is empowering believers, you and I that have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He's empowering us to understand his word through his Holy Spirit. And Satan, he's got no power. God's already beat him. Even though other people listen to him, even though other people try to deceive you, God's already won. 
And God's the one that we have to trust in. You, as a disciple, became a partaker. Let me read this. You became a partaker of the divine nature of God at the moment of your salvation. Scripture tells us the moment, we already said it, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you. You are our partaker. You are part of, you are experiencing the divine nature of God at the moment of your salvation. 2 Peter 1, 3 says this, His divine power has granted to us, believers, disciples, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. You as a disciple, you are not God, but you belong to him and nothing can take you out of the hand of God. Think about that for a second. And we've talked about this before. You can't lose your salvation. If you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, he holds that firmly. Because if you could lose your salvation, you would. Think about how many things you've probably lost today. And how important is your salvation? If you could lose it, you would. God is the one who holds that securely. He tells us that in John chapter 10, verse 28. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. You have to trust in God. You have to trust in His power you have to trust in his authority even over false teachers and you've got to trust in his sovereignty that he is in control of all things. And then he goes on in verse 5 of John, 1 John 4, he says, they are from the world. He's talking about false teachers. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. These false teachers, these, these people that are trying to deceive you, these people that teach you wrong things about the Bible, these people that put catchy little phrases and what looks like Bible sayings online and social media posts, they're going to gain a following because they say what people want to hear. In fact, Paul warned Timothy about that in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, here's what he says to Timothy. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. And here's why he charged him to do this. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. What Paul did right there is he painted a picture for Timothy who was a teacher of God's word and he said there's going to come a time and it's happening now, it happened then and it's happening today when people aren't going to want to know the truth of scripture. They're going to want things that sound like God and sound like scripture but what they really want is things that they want to hear. 
And that's where you get people who start taking verses out of conduct or context, like Philippians um, chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you see that. And it's not a bad thing. You know, people put it on, you know, the black eye when they do sports things and they put it on banners and all this. That's a great verse. But that verse is quite often taken out of context. Or the graduation verse from, from the book of Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not plans to suffer. And I can't remember all the words of it right now. But we throw that on there and say, hey, you're graduating high school. God's got great big plans for you. And he does. But that not, that's not what that verse is talking about. That verse is talking about the nation of Israel and God's plans for them in that specific context. See, we've got to make sure that we understand what people are putting out there because if we don't know the context of what's happening and we don't know what God's actually saying, then we're going to be led astray by false teachers. But 1 John 4 right there assures us that if you know God, you listen to God, and you write, that's right, and you recognize the message of God and you follow it. Ansley's on it. She's agreeing with me over there. There's always been... And there always will be people that will twist this. Guys, go back to the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, and that's exactly what Satan did. He caused Adam and Eve to question the Word of God. Did God really say? And when you look at how he quotes Scripture, he takes it and he twists it. It sounds right, but it's changed just enough to not be what God wrote and to not be what God intended. And that is why every one of us has to be on guard. Beware of false teachers. Test everything you see and hear against what the Word of God actually says. And then trust that God will overcome false teachers. There's a, there's a song that came out, golly, it's probably about a decade ago now, um, by a guy who was... I think his name was Shai Lin. He's a Christian rapper. And it's just called, I think it's called False Prophets. And it's an interesting song because he starts talking from Scripture about how people will come along and how people will start twisting the Word of God and how we have to be on guard and we have to test these things. But then here's why it was so controversial. As you get near the end of the song, he starts naming people. And he says, this person's a false prophet. This person's a false And these are popular teachers that are on TV and preachers that are on the radio and preachers that are online. And he's saying, hey, if you say you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, be careful. Be on guard. Because there are people who are trying to deceive you. There are people who are telling you that God's word says what God's word does not say. And if you remember... Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica and he charged them to test everything. Listen to what he writes about that same church in the book of Acts chapter 17, verse 11. He says, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. He's talking about a different group because he charged those Thessalonians to study God's word, but he actually came across another group that was doing what he had charged them to do. And he says they are more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all eagerness. They took what they heard. They received God's teaching, the scriptures. And it says they were examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. 
what they determined to do was be on guard. And they tested what they heard, what they learned against what the Word of God says. I challenge you to do that tonight. I challenge you to do that from this point on every time you see, hear anything from the Word of God. Receive it with eagerness and then examine the Scriptures and make sure it lines up with the truth of God's Word. Test everything and trust in God that He will reveal it to you and He's going to take care of those people that are trying to lie to you. Be on guard in your spiritual life so that you can honor God and live in truth and love and obedience to His Word. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for today. Lord, thank you that we can come here together. And God, I thank you that, God, you give us your word and you give us your Holy Spirit to to understand your word so that we can know when people are trying to lie to us. God, so we we call misinformation. It's just lies. That's all it is. Lord, help us to be so tuned in to what your word says such a student of what you've given us that we can recognize those things lord help us to watch out not only for ourselves but to watch out for others around us others know what the truth of your word is help us to be on guard and help us to be obedient to you i said jesus name we pray amen